welcome to New Books and Critical Theory, which is a podcast that's part of the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Dave O'Brien. On this episode, I'm going to be talking to Ermac Karadomir Hazia from um, the Sociology Department of Oxford Brookes University in the UK about a book she's a co-author of called Enter Culture, Exit Arts, The Transformation of Cultural Hierarchies in European Newspaper Culture Sections from 1960 to 2010. So welcome to the podcast. Um, thank you. Um, this is an incredibly interesting book. It's unbelievably rich in terms of its detail and tells quite an important and and profound story about stability and change in in European culture um, over a 50-year period. And it'd be great to start off with with a sense of how you did it and what the project was that underpinned it. Because as I say, it's a, a really kind of rich and detailed book and it feels like there's been an incredible amount of research work that's that's gone into it. Um, um, yes, uh, incredible amount of work. You're correct. <laughs> um, our book um, draws on a cross-national project titled um, Kudige, Cultural Distinctions, Generations and Change. Um, it was funded by University of Helsinki, um, Kone Foundation and Academy of Finland for the period between um, 2013 and 2007, um, 2017. Um, Semi Purhonen, the PI of the project, um, Ria Heikila and Tina Lauraren are based in Finland. Um, Carlos Fernandez is from Spain. Um, and Yuka Gronov, um, Emeritus Professor of Sociology, um, who is now retired, was um, based in Sweden and Finland at the time. I'm originally from Turkey, but I work in the UK. Um, so we have quite a mobile and international team with um, a common interest in um, cultural classifications, um, evaluations, um, transformation of the cultural fields, etc. Um, we all have um, conducted cross, cross-sectional projects um, in our own um, national context before. Um, and I believe that we all felt the need um, to look at the transformations we are interested in from a broader and um, longitudinal perspective. So this is how the um, the research questions of the project um, have developed, um, I guess. Um, this book is the most um, comprehensive output um, of our project, but we, with um, various um, author combinations we have, um, unpacked um, different aspects of our um, research in um, in different journal articles. So uh, yes, the book is um, the the most comprehensive output. But um, um, if others are you know if people are interested in um, various other dimensions that we um, discuss, they um, they could just um, search us. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an incredibly fascinating data set. Obviously, you, you've gestured towards the importance of doing these longitudinal and cross-national comparisons. Much discussion of cultural change tends to either be very high level, um, if it's talking about Europe, say, as a whole, or um, tends to be based on on one country. And it often doesn't have, I think, the kind of empirical detail that you've you've brought to the book. And before we start talking about themes and, and kind of topics and um, particularly the kind of theoretical contribution of the book. It'd be interesting to hear about the data sets and the sense of, of you know, what, what the empirical basis for your uh, discussion is. 
Um, so um, the data set, as um, as we um, all know, the media as an institution, um, it plays a key role um, in um, how cultural classifications and um, hierarchies emerge and how they become legitimized. Um, so, so cultural journalism is a significant institution. Um, it attributes symbolic value to cultural forms uh, in, by framing them as valuable enough to be showcased as art. Um, it represents and contributes to the classifications of the time period they are published in. Um, so uh, we consider cultural journalism and media um, as a um, um, as an institution that could help us to understand the changes that are taking place in uh, in um, 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 cultural classifications and. Um, so uh, we uh, look at um, um, newspapers from um, six different uh, European countries um, and we try to understand uh, post-1960s cultural change uh, by looking at the, the cultural pages, culture pages of these newspapers. So the newspapers um, come from six European countries. As I said, two of them are Nordic countries, um, Helsinki and Sonomat from Finland and um, Dagens Nyheter, neither from Sweden. Um, two of them are large Western European countries, um, La Monde from France and The Guardian from the UK. Um, two of them are Mediterranean countries, ABC and El País from Spain and Millet from Turkey. Um, so we collected samples of the cultural sections from these newspapers um, at um, 10 year intervals, um, including um, volumes from um, six uh, different time points. Um, 1960, 1970, 80, 90, 2000, and 2010. Um, so we coded uh, all the articles that are published in these newspapers between this time period. Um, and um, our final sample included um, 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 around uh, 13,000 articles. Um, so it's, uh, as you said, it's a huge um, data set and the coding process involved a team of um, 11 members uh, speaking multiple languages and lasted through all of its stages about one year. Um, so uh, we collected data from newspapers and we analyzed them quantitatively and qualitatively to understand um, the changes that are taking place in, uh, in, in the cultural field. The way to illustrate those changes, I think, is um, through a couple of stories that open the book. Um, and they're the stories of deaths, John Lennon and John Paul Sartre um, in the 1980s. And it, it'd be interesting if you could sort of tell me those those stories, actually, um, in terms of thinking through what the big themes of shifting boundaries, the real kind of importance of time and place, which often sometimes gets um, kind of missed in, in discussions of cultural change, and then more detailed things about how how the media actually functions in terms of um, format of reporting and um, the media's own struggles with things like commercialization. So yeah, Lennon and Sartre is a is a quite nice way to sort of tell the story of the book. Yes, um, we think these two cases crystallize dimensions that are of great interest to um, sociologists of culture and cultural change in general. Um, I, I also want to note that we didn't intentionally choose these dates. We had a systematic approach to data collection and these two dates happened to take uh, randomly was in our sample. And we noticed that the, all our newspapers covered Lennon's and Sartre's death uh, in quite um, um, s similar ways. And we, we thought that um, 
the, this coverage um, um, can help us to frame some of the issues we um, deal with uh, in this book. Um, for instance, um, immediately after um, his death, um, almost all cultural journalists in our sample described Lennon as a rock star, um, but also a serious artist or even a, even a genius um, comparable to Mozart uh, or Hemingway. Um, we think that this shows um, how um, the status of um, popular culture has been elevated to um, a level comparable with the highest arts. Um, so uh, we think that during that period, popular music was consolidating its status as, as art, and Lennon's um, case is a good example for that. In the meantime, uh, Sartre, a serious philosopher, was being treated like a show business celebrity. Um, for instance, um, two days after his death, um, I think it was Lamont. Uh, Lamont published long and serious essays about his philosophy and his importance abroad. But um, the prominent part of the coverage was for um, um, easier um, digestion. So they used um, several um, different layout techniques um, which we think um, indicated a lightness in style. Um, so we, we we found like small humorous cartoons and small text boxes, um, um, text boxes about um, massive sales numbers of his book. Um, so he um, he was introduced um, as if he was a popular figure. Um, we think that this illuminates the ways in which traditional highbrow culture. Uh, has become popularized in the same uh, in the same period. Um, also, um, Lenin, as you said, you know, uh, concerns the boundaries and boundary crossings um, um, between art forms and, and, and genres, um, particularly because uh, he um, was not only a, a, a rock star. He published books, including poems. Um, short stories, um, drawings. He made films, um, performance art, and other collaborative projects. So um, we think that his identity, uh, you know, his uh, um, artistic persona um, that um, crosses these the boundaries between cultural forms and genres, uh, very nicely exemplifies some of uh, the trends identified by cultural sociologists, um, such as um, you know increased tolerance in the art world, loosening of cultural classifications, uh, etc. Um, what else? Um, oh yes, um, Lennon um, is also uh, um, a, an international uh, figure. Um, so considering the international elements in his personal and professional life um, and the impact um, his music had on people um, living all around the world uh, makes him a perfect case to discuss uh, cultural glo globalization. So um, we have a separate chapter um, engaging with um, the issue of cultural glo globalization. So Lennon's case also uh, speaks to uh, that element um, um, as well. Um, commercialism, uh, yes, Lennon's case um, um, also highlights the tension between uh, commercialism and aesthetic quality because um, Lennon was a millionaire and, and, a, and a former member of the um, most popular and commercially successful band of uh, all time. So the newspaper's obituaries refer to this tension between his identity as an uh, ambitious artist and um, as a popular entertainer. Um, we also think that this resonates with the, you know, the conflictual relationship 
um, highlighted by um, cultural sociologists between, uh, as you said, commercialism and popularity on the one hand and aesthetic quality and you know, artistic auto- um, autonomy on the other hand. Um, um, so um, he also was a working class hero, a politically active, rebellious um, figure. Um, um, this also exemplifies the role played by politics in artistic work. Um, we have a chapter um, that looks at this tension between um, field of politics and culture. Um, and also, uh, as you mentioned, the reporting, the format uh, of um, the art, um, the um, cultural journalism uh, can be discussed uh, via um, Lennon's case as well, because we found striking similarities in, in how these deaths were reported by different newspapers. Um, perhaps um, this was due to the role the news agencies um, that puts the news forward across different countries. You know, they start to operate simultaneously um, um, from uh, with a central um, logic. Um, and this directed us to explore the um, structure and change of the format um, and means of reporting about um, arts and culture. Um, so, uh, yes, the coverage uh, of um, Lennon and Sartre's uh, deaths enabled us to introduce um, the key themes of our book, um, which are the processes of heterogenization, legitimization, popularization, um, globalization, um, commercialization, <laughs> politicization, and packaging of culture. So it, they speak to each um, of these elements, we think. I mean, there's so much to get into there, and um, and we might kind of pick out a few of the isations um, for <laughs> the discussion. And it, obviously, it's also nice to see uh, the Beatles represented quite early on in the book. Um, but from again, you know, I keep coming back to this in the context of a major bit of empirical work, because obviously, you know, something like a kind of broad cultural history would would be comfortable starting with Lenin and Sartre, but then it might, uh, you know, draw on one or two newspaper reports or, you know, a television program or um, album sleeve notes or something like this. Whereas you've got this incredible, um, as you say, you know, really uh, extensive newspaper data set. And, and this allows you, I, I think, and, and this is one of the things that came through quite strongly in the book, to, to make quite detailed claims um about how culture has changed and and one of the ways that this happens quite early in the book is with a discussion of music and you've got a fairly i guess kind of familiar discussion about um how sort of popular music rock music um became legitimate how classical music uh, perhaps uh, has been been popularized but you do this and this is what i found most interesting in the context of thinking about the format and the ways of writing uh that shape that um and, it, and it'd be interesting to hear that you know kind of detail about how particular formats and, and particular kind of modes of um doing media and doing newspapers shape um, legitimacy and, and, and popularization um, yes um, as you su- suggest it's um, we have uh, we had a huge data set and we were um, 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 lucky enough to have um, um, skills um, data analysis skills um, 
to um, tackle with such a big amount of data. So we did qualitative and quantitative analysis. Um, we not only showed the trends in how um, these areas were um, covered um, in terms of format um, in the newspapers, but we also look at qualitatively look at the criteria used by the reviewers as they judge um, classical music and, and, and pop rock music. Um, so our quantitative analysis showed that um, in terms of the format of the article and the criteria um, used to judge products, um, highbrow and popular cultural um, articles started to resemble each other. Um, um, so we decided to dig deeper and, and read those articles. Um, and that close reading um, revealed um, um, a twofold process. Like um, uh, we we see legitimization of popular culture and popularization of um, highbrow culture. Um, so um, in earlier years, um, the reviews on pop rock uh, much um, focus on the reactions of the audience um, and the technical mastery of the musicians. Um, whereas from uh, 1990s onwards, there was a more serious and specialized writing style mixing elements from uh, both high art and popular evaluative criteria. We also noticed the diversification of article types in the 2000s. Um, we see long reports and interviews about artists and musicians um, 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 which has, which have been, in, which which was important for legitimization of pop rock. So when you uh, go and read the reviewers, the way reviewers review uh, the pop rock, um, um, supposedly popular um, 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 cultural products, um, you um, see how similar they become to uh, how classical music or or theater or opera uh, was reviewed, judged, and and criticized. Um, um, at the same time, we also find a, a substantial classical music coverage become more um, heterogeneous and um, journalistically oriented uh, um, um, in terms of format and style of writing. Um, so we see um, increased article length, um, use of illustrations, um, new elements in the reviews such as um, person-centered focus, um, the best of the year lists um, for classical music, the star ratings, you know, um, um, the reviewers give stars to culture, um, um, classical music or opera, you know, that kind of high culture um, um, uh, products. These are um, traditionally associated with the, with, with, with popular uh, culture and review of popular culture. But, um, you know, all these trends support our argument that um, traditional hybrid culture is being popularized and treated increasingly similar to popular culture in terms of, you know, the way it was covered by um, cultural journalists, um, especially in the later years in our data. I mean, there's something going on as well with journalism itself. And later on in the book, you, you, you talk and, and you've, you've kind of alluded to it. The, about the tensions within cultural journalism as it becomes quote unquote kind of commercial, um, and I mean the French case is really instructive with with Le Monde, um, because obviously we <laughs> I'm trying to think of the the kind of best way to phrase this you know we have a perception of uh, say French cinema for example as having a particular <laughs> aesthetic uh, position and you know a particular set of discourses around it, but. Even in that most, you know, perhaps kind of, you know, refined or rarefied form of commercial culture, um, cultural journalism itself has struggled with with being commercial. Um, sorry, I couldn't hear you. Oh, I was just saying that 
cultural journalism struggling itself with becoming commercial, uh, as you talk about um, in, I think it's the fifth chapter of the book. Yes, yes, um, yes. There's there's a complicated relationship between um, money and funding, um, um, economy and um, arts. And, and, and as, as you know, um, this is a theme um, um, discussed in cultural sociology, you know, how far... Um, you know how, the, let's say, the role um, of um, 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 newspapers or cultural journalism in um, creating the distinction between um, the highbrow and the popular. But um, in um, in the field of culture, um, the meta discourses, let's say, on cultural journalism um, foster the, the division between um, quality journalism and commercial journalism. So, um, commercial journalism is argued to have a more like um, trivial tone, and um, simultaneously resulting in um, you know tabloidization um, to popularize the editorial content. Um, and it's believed that in the end this threatens what could be considered as um, real news. Um, when we coded our reviews, um, we coded whether or not the reviews refer to the commercial characteristics of the production, um, such as its budget, selling price, circulation rates, etc. Um, so by we we then looked uh, quantitatively to see if we find commercialization trend. Um, um, out of the all cultural domains covered, as you said, cinema was the only one that experienced profound commercialization between um, 1960 and 2010. And uh, Le Monde uh, was the only newspaper in which the commercial dimension grew notably over time. Uh, this finding is really, really very striking. Um, in 1960, um, none of Lamont's articles on film had a commercial dimension uh, in the reviews. So uh, none of the reviewers referred to the budget or it's you know how many tickets the uh, you know the box office results etc. But in 2010, uh, nearly 25 um, percent did. So it's a huge increase, um, uh, and and it's a significant finding, and it's really interesting to see how. Um, how um, the evaluation uh, um, or the criteria used to evaluate uh, films changed in 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 a, in a um, cultural institution that is known to be uh, that is known to have a very serious you know attitude um, to um, art and culture. Um, but I also need to note that because we read the articles, um, uh, we know um, how those commercial dimension is framed. So there is an increase in the commercial dimension, but uh, popular movies um, usually um, get negative uh, reviews. So there was a clear implicit expectation of a you know, cultured, non-commercially oriented reader. So there is reference, increased reference to commercial aspects, but this doesn't mean that uh, all the articles uh, that included commercial dimension um, made a positive evaluation um, of the um, cultural product under review. I mean, this really prompts the question of kind of what's going on here. And, and towards the end of the book, you, you grapple with this, this question of, um, I guess, kind of cultural journalism in, in crisis. Um, and it'd be interesting to hear a bit about that, actually, you know, the kind of sense of is it still a gatekeeper to legitimize taste? You know, is 
even Le Mans cinema coverage, you know, if it's talking about box office numbers and stuff, is this a sign that um, cultural journalism is itself a popular medium and thus no longer legitimate? <laughs> it's a very difficult question. Um um, so we, we do look at um, if cultural journalism, you know, we, we engage with the debates over popularization of cultural journalism um, and we look at the change that um, take place in the way culture was uh, was packaged. Um, we, uh, um, we see that the, the space given to culture expanded radically between 1960 and 2010. Um, the proportion of reviews increased, the interviews, um, the, the space given to interviews uh, grew, um, large articles took over space from small ones, um, and we see an increasing, you know, um, the habit of using um, visual um, elements in the reviews. Um, the growth of um, illustrated articles is dramatic. So there's an obvious change in the way the culture was presented and um presented to the uh, uh, reader. Um, we also noticed that um, there's an increased um, um, willingness to um, address um, to a you know, new kind of eclectic um, reader consumer. So um, the cultural journalists um, um, understood that they were addressing their reader uh, was wants to be updated about um, growing and differentiating, um, you know, supply of cultural flows, global cultural elements, etc. Um, so um, there is a shift towards a new journalistic representational forms, such as listings, star ratings, and visual elements. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure if we could consider as a crisis of um, cultural journalism because uh, from you know in the different chapters uh, um, we um, find out that uh, cultural journalism resists um, obvious commercialization um, and they deal with political pressure um, they still um, aim to cover traditional highbrow domains um, so um, um, we conclude by saying that um, you know we think newspapers take, on cultural trends and do their best to survive in a rapidly changing uh, media landscape. And also, uh, just a final note, we're looking at printed media and uh, perhaps um, um, other studies, maybe the next step um, should um, include um, new media and you know, new ways of doing cultural journalism and how um, this that format um, 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 represents the trends we are mentioning here. I mean, it struck me that the real crisis um, was twofold, uh, and, and we, we might take these in turn. The first thing was this question actually about things like working conditions, about entry to the occupation, um, about the kind of prospects of, of cultural journalism as, as, a, as, yeah, as a career, as an occupation, as, as a job. And then on the other hand, this uh, social political crisis question. Um, so it'd be, it'd be good if we, as a way of, I guess, kind of concluding our discussion of the book, um, think about, I guess, what's it like to be a, you know, a cultural journalist? Is it sustainable? You know, is it a kind of a pleasant and rewarding job or, or is it low paid, exploitative, et cetera, uh, before we turn to these broader social political questions? Um, yes, it's, um, 
Um, it's it's a difficult question to answer because we um, um, our research was cross-national. So um, um, cultural journalism in these different national contexts had um, um, different um, um, problems and um, their dynamics were, um, were, were very different. And as you know, we have a, a chapter on politics um, and, and how it interacts with um, cultural journalism. And in that chapter, we look at um, Turkey and, and Spain as a case because we think that they were quite different from the, um, the cultural journalism we um, observed in um, other cases um, with uh, more established democracies. Um, and I can speak for myself because I know the data on Turkey uh, better than, uh, than Spain, uh, but um, I can see how... Um, um, the dynamics of other fields, like what is going on in politics, uh, in economy, and um, how they affect the conditions on, um, in which cultural journalists um, operate, and 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 how they choose um, culture, which cultural products to uh, to present. Um, we clearly see, at least in the Turkish case, the effect of military interventions, um, the effect of rising, you know, conservatism and political Islam, and how it affects, uh, you know, um, um, the um, 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 cultural journalists' capacity to uh, critically engage with um, um, the cultural field. Um, if um, we have, um, I think it's. Um, let me. Say it's. Um, we have a, a, a journal article. Uh, my other colleagues uh, published a journal article on the fate of um, cultural journalism. Um, so, if um, um, if you're interested in hearing more about um, the um, trends in cultural journalism and how or what, what kind of trends or. Um, data um, indicate um, um, that specific journal article engage these debates um, in detail. I think a way to conclude is, is to give a sense um, from the book that you place a great importance on journalism itself as, a, as an occupation in a context where you know we're seeing journalists murdered under threats and um, you know and. and I suppose in contrast maybe to a trend in media studies that's highlighted the negative uh, role of journalism in terms of ideologies, etc. Uh, this book was quite a nice, almost, I mean, I might be wrong and read too much into it, but almost a kind of a defence of, of journalism yeah. and, and its role in the social. Definitely. I mean, um, um, definitely. Um, um, we... Um, um, don't treat um, cultural cultural journalism um, with um, assuming you know um, any negative um, characteristics. But we see, I mean, uh, we see from the data, um, I mean, how it changed, but um, also how um, how uh, established and strong um, it has been throughout the years, um, despite political pressures, despite commercialization, despite you know. Um, all uh, all the other trends going on um, in other um, 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 fields, cultural journalism uh, is, is um, 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 tried to to <laughs> if you want to say survive and uh, continue to perform its um, critical role. And we know that journalists' positions were not um, um, ideal throughout the time we studied. We coded the gender of the journalists as well, and we we are looking at um, 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 how 
um, uh, women, um, um, what you know, what kind of articles women um, were asked to uh, review, and how it changed in time. So um, there are there's there's lots of um, um, there are lots of dynamics we could um, um, unpack. But um, as a team, we um, I think uh, treated and and find out that cultural journalism has been a very um, a strong and important institution um, um, affecting cultural um, classifications. I mean, there's loads and loads of other things. We, we've we really, you know, just scratched the surface of the book. There's a fantastic discussion about cultural globalization, um, although it's, you know, primarily European uh, book, there is a quite detailed and, and interesting engagement with the question of American culture as, as well. You know, as I say, there's so much else going on in the book. And given it's been so much work and given how, you know, sort of um, wide ranging and, and detailed the book is, it seems almost unfair to say, so what are you doing next? <laughs> what's, what's, your, what's your next project? <laughs> um um, um, what is our next project? Uh, so <clears throat> I know that the, the, the Finnish members of our team, they're working on a new project um, titled um, Dynamics. Uh, they're exploring cultural change in Finland uh, by using several different data sets and timeframes. Um, so um, they are following up on um, on, on this theme. Um, I'm doing my own um, research on, um, um, on a slightly different um, topic on food and feeding cultures in the UK, but um, with two other friends from Ankara, we have designed a new project uh, which will look at how the rising um, conservatism as a political and cultural trend um, affect the appreciation and um, legitimation of arts in Turkey. So um, I will continue to look at the interaction between the political field and cultural field, um, especially um, in um, um, in the context that are beyond um, Europe, because we we know we don't know enough, but we know a lot about um, European cultural fields. So I want to continue to work on this topic by expanding this um, this. Um, the sample a bit towards um, 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 regions uh, beyond Europe. <laughs>